Someone You Should Know, a program about people you know and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Welcome back to another edition of Someone You Should Know. Glad to have you with us. And I'll start off by thanking our our good friend, Christine Dean, who is the producer of the show. She is the DFW Networking Diva. We thank her very, very much. And we are brought to you today by No Sweat Experts. You know, we're in the middle of the summer now. It's starting to heat up out there. The one thing you do not want to be without is your air conditioning system. So if you need to get it checked out, call the folks over at No Sweat Air Air Conditioning. They are the No Sweat experts. They can handle everything with your heating and air conditioning system. They'll come out and give you a great program too. And all No Sweat experts. Well, uh, let me start by saying I'm glad to have you here with us this morning but my guest is actually six time zones away. Uh, but I welcome to the show Robin Ferrier, who is from the south of England, uh, speaking to us this morning. Robin, welcome. Hello, sir. And uh, welcome to Eastbourne on the south coast of England, indeed. However, you'll gather from the accent that my origins are slightly further north from Edinburgh. <laughs> but... Uh, Oh, I tell you what, we could fairly do with one of those uh, air conditioner units that you were just talking about. We've we've having our one day of summer here today. Twenty four <laughs> degrees. It's serious stuff. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what, what you know? You are right along the English Channel. Mm-hmm. It must be an absolutely gorgeous part of the world to be in. Oh, I certainly think it is, and uh, I live very close to where the uh, the French invaded in 1066, so everything has slightly French overtones, and uh, outside uh, where I live, there's a little tiny village called Hersmonsur, and, it, it, you know, for a Scotsman, it's hard to get my tongue around that. <laughs> so, so what was it like growing up in, in Scotland? Oh, Scotland, well, as you'll imagine, it's it's my favourite part of the whole world. But uh, Scotland, we in Britain were split into four separate nations, obviously, but uh, Scotland is very independent. We, we like to think of ourselves as somewhat different from all the rest of the other Brits. And so we have different laws. We have money, which looks different, even though it's the pound. We are very idealistic in many ways about who we are, and history means quite a lot to us. And uh, as a result, we we like to think we're really quite superior, but that's another story altogether. And that's a, a subject for debate over there. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's many people would disagree. Well, we're going to cover a few different subjects this morning uh, and, and with you. Uh, and the key the key discussion is going to be about bullying because uh, you uh, have experienced it firsthand and through throughout uh, your your lifetime uh, you've kind of carried that as as extra baggage 
and and now you've decided to kind of pay it forward and you are working with others that have been bullied and have carried that stigma with them their entire lives and helping them to overcome that stigma. Is that a fair statement? Oh, absolutely fair indeed, uh, Stuart. I mean, my... My bullying started at quite an early age in that my father was the chaplain for the school where I was. And being a chaplain, he represented authority. And kids being what they are, especially, you know, farm kids, kids from the fishing town, things like that, they don't like authority. And so if you can't stick one on the man, so to speak, in a practical sense directly, well, Maybe his son is the next best thing. And so from the age of five, probably all the way through until about 14, I used to come home bloodied, you know, uh, terrified. How else can I describe it? Just bereft of any dignity, having been made to grovel in front of a crowd of people and you know the worst part is is when girls get involved because girls are not uh, particularly uh, restrained when it comes to seeing a man under pressure and so you know for a young boy who's going through puberty and probably would quite like to impress the girls to have them seeing you you know prostrate on the floor covered in blood it, it's not exactly an aphrodisiac, is it? So at the end of it all, Stuart, I came out of my um, time at school having no self-esteem, no confidence in myself. Uh, there were many times when I just thought, you know, the world would be a better place without me if I was honest. But having said all of that, I was damned if I was going to let these people beat me it, it just stuck in my craw as they say that this should be allowed to happen and one of the things I noticed was that the system i.e the school system but also our culture that prevailed at the time in the 1970s didn't really see bullying as a bit of as, as really as a big issue it was just as, as for many it was a rite of passage you know, you know, man up, get some cojones, you know, sort yourself out. Right. But my problem, my, my problem in addition to all of this, Stuart, was that because of my father's job, religion played a large part in my life. So when confronted with people who wanted to have a piece of me, I gave it to them. I turned my cheek. I didn't fight back or I would run. But you know what it's like. They look. Somebody eventually will catch you or trip you up or find a way to get you, and it it's unavoidable. So that was a thorn in my side as well. That, that was a real struggle until I got to about fourteen, and then things changed. Okay, so so how did they change at, at, at 14? You've gone through all of this through, through your childhood, and obviously it wasn't just a verbal bullying. It was a physical bullying also that, that you encountered. So mm. what, what at 14 uh, changed, changed that? Desperation, I think, is, is the best way 
Desperation and experimentation. Um, there was one day I was surrounded by a whole group of boys and, as I mentioned to you before, a few girls. And I was confronted with these folk knowing what was going to happen. It, it, it was the same story every time as far as I was concerned. And I just thought, you know what? Maybe fighting back won't be so difficult. I'm going to give it a try. And so I was attacked and I fought back and I got a lucky blow and the, the guy went down. And I think he was so taken aback by the fact that I even had the, you know, the nose to, to, to respond that he, he just backed off. And so did everybody else. In other words, sort of, oh, what a disappointment. You know, it yeah. was like being in the gladi gladiatorial ring and all of a sudden the, the fighter manages to, to beat the, the favorite and everybody just goes, oh, God, well, that's not much fun. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, that, it, was, suddenly, that was it. Yeah, suddenly you weren't the weakest link in the, in yes. the, uh, uh, in the confrontation. And they thought, oh, well, you know, uh, if he's going to start fighting back, let's just go find somebody else to bully. Yeah, but it, it was never that simple, unfortunately, because yeah. there were those that didn't see the event. And, of course, there were those that thought that, you know, they they too were the, the sharpest shooter, the best pistol in town. Yeah. And so they didn't quite get the message. They didn't get the memo. <laughs> so they, it carried on, but it did improve. And as I sort of grew into a bigger body, I was able to protect myself. And also, I think just that little dose of spirit that I managed to find within myself after all those years, it then gave me strength to carry on and, and start to realize that I was actually worth protecting because I honestly didn't believe I was. Yeah. Well, and, and the, and the, uh, uh, the consequences might be might be uh, uh, too detrimental too. You know, you you mentioned you mentioned earlier that very often bullying is viewed uh, as a rite of passage. I mean, it's mm. like something you that every boy should go through in order to toughen him up. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah, that, but that's that's not always the case because it can it can have a life lasting, uh, you know. Uh, re, you know, re, repercussions. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it did for me, most certainly. Uh, the, the bullies, they're, they're never interested in, in the effects on, on their victim. Uh, it's all about uh, power and uh, it's a perverse energy exchange. It's, it's like an ener energetic vampirism. Uh, it's all to do with self-image and Right, how they are perceived and how they perceive themselves. Yeah, and, and it's a good way for the, You know, it's a good way for the bullies to get the girls, because it is, know, it is. But it's also yeah. to do with the fact that there's a deep void within these people, and and they need to find their own space, and so they've created this artificial image of themselves. And the only thing that they can really use to lever themselves into this self-image is other people's misery. 
and their strength over your apparent weakness. And uh, it, it affects so many people in so many aspects of life, Stuart. And it just, it makes me so sad to see. Yeah, and, and, and obviously a bully rarely is going to, to pick on another bully. They want to pick on somebody that is, you know, they are the wolf and they want to pick on the lamb. They're, they're going to go after the, to the weak, weak person. Uh, I, I had mentioned to you earlier that I experienced the same thing when I was growing up. Uh, really? Uh, I, was, I was, you know, a, a, a small kid, a chubby kid when I was small. Uh, and there was one fella in my neighborhood in particular who, uh, you know, back in the 60s, wore the slick back hair and he was Mr. Cool. Uh, and all the girls liked him and the, the boys feared him. And when I got into Cub Scouts and later into Boy Scouts, he was also there. But every time, almost every week that I would go to a Boy Scout meeting, I would come home with a black eye or a bloodied lip because he would, he would pick on me there. Uh, if I had any money in my pocket, it was gone. Uh, and I would tell my parents, my parents would call his parents and all, but he didn't stop. And, and it was only until actually when he became a teenager, uh, he got arrested for, for stealing a car and all, and all of a sudden the bully wasn't in the neighborhood anymore because he was sent to a private, a private school. Um, but I was like you, I think for many years, it was don't fight back because it'll only make it worse. Uh, you know, I'll go home with more than just a bloodied lip. I might go home with a broken arm. So just lie there and take it. Uh, and and it, 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 it does take a while. And it is something that you carry with you as you get into adulthood. Is there any perception on your part that bullied children become, uh, you know, bullied or weaker adults? Oh, absolutely. Very, very easily. It, it takes real courage to overcome the effects of emasculation. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally uh, have had all sorts of issues, if you want to call them in life, not least of which is, is depression. And when I went through that process, I had to give up my, my, my lovely job, which was airline pilot at the time. And I, I was off work for two years. But therein lies another story, because, of course, um, people don't understand what bullying's all about. And they don't understand the mental effects, and particularly on men, because we're supposed to be tough, aren't we? We're supposed to be able to right. handle it. And so when you find that your body and mind doesn't handle it very well, you don't get any sympathy. Now, I wasn't looking for any, but what I wasn't expecting was hatred and disgust. And I got that from people who were very close to me, who I thought loved me, uh, people who were in the medical profession. And uh, it, it, was, it came as a big shock. And so particularly men find that they're isolated, alone, and because of that, they begin to start thinking that they are the ones which 
are, are unique and different because of their suffering. Whereas, in fact, there are hundreds and thousands of us throughout the world who have experienced something similar, and it's affected us in very similar ways. And I, and I just find that men particularly don't want to open up about that. For some reason, I seem to be able to deal openly with emotions. It's just my natural character. And so I want to be able to, to talk to men about their feelings and emotions and to let them know that it's okay that they feel the way they do because so many other people do, but they just don't, they don't feel able to communicate it with the rest of the world. And I think that's a real terrible shame. Do you, do you also feel that, that is there any, uh, you know, uh, equity between men being bullied and girls being bullied? Uh, I guess it's interesting that, and, and girls. That, that, that was just sad. I guess I, I would say boys and girls and, and, and men and women, you know, men you know, and women have slightly different experiences of bullying. And, uh, I find that the, the kind of bullying that men experience is, is very physical. And in that process, uh, a lot of damage is done physically, obviously, but it's also assumed by the system, if you want to call it that, that boys can handle it, they can deal with it, and they don't need support or looking after, because that's, as we said, for many, a rite of passage, because in many ways that's how it happened to their father and their grandfather and their grandfather before that. And so there's there's almost like a, a, a free fall of, of pain go, going through the generations. And I just think somebody needs to say, stop. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with men and women both suffering, but we suffer in different ways because women don't so much use physical force, although they do. Yep, but yep. they tend to use reputation management as their preferred form of attack. Whereas men, they just get beaten up. They also get vilified, emasculated. And we're, by the nature of our culture, supposed to just suck it up and get on with it. Well, and I also I also tend to think that that girls that get bullied have more support from other girls than boys that maybe get bullied because a boy that gets bullied, his friends really don't want to come to his aid because they in 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 essence could become the next victims too. Oh, you are absolutely right on that count, most definitely. In 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 the the. The studies I've made, I've, I look at all the various actors in a bullying event, and there are people who watch over an event, such as the ones we've talked about. And there are those who, who get a free song of something out of it, a buzz. You know, they, they actively like seeing somebody bleed. Then there are those people that you describe, which are your friends, people who you know and, and would probably say they cared about you. But when confronted with violence, threat, 
Uh, and I don't just mean school bullies. I'm talking about people at work now. You know, they don't want to get involved because, as you quite rightly said, if you associate yourself with that victim or that person who's being, you know, victimized, yeah, you become fair game for it yourself. You know, oh, you're not one of us. Well, in that case, yeah. you better prepare to take what's coming to you. And this is so very much the case when it comes to modern day life, because, of course, we have this thing called groupthink, whereby you get a, a frenzied group of people who have a very strong opinion on something. And God help you if you stand against anything they say. And so that's a really worrying thing that I'm seeing in, in culture today. Well, also, from the time that you and I were younger and we were being bullied, we now have this massive thing called social media. And a mm. lot of bullying is being done through social media, sending yes. texts back and forth, telling somebody you're not worth the, the, the ground that I walk on. Mm. And that can play a mental bullying game uh, that sometimes – uh, can ultimately be worse than a physical bullying uh, uh, setup too. Absolutely, because the the evidence is is so hard to find, and um, to my knowledge, at least in this part of the world, um, you'd you'd find it very hard to bring a a court action, a, a police case against somebody who who is defaming you on social media. I think there's people who have tried, but uh, yeah. justice isn't always just, and it's blooming expensive. So if you want to protect yourself online, there is really nothing else other than to get offline. And that's not really practical in this day and age, is it? No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, it is, and it's harder to block uh, some of that those bullying efforts online uh, than it is to to find ways to 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 over overcome it, mm. uh, and and we we both know that worldwide uh, the, there are a lot there's a lot of increased rates of suicide uh, among young people that yes. are traced back to bullying and absolutely uh, and that it, that is another element of the equation now. So, you know, you, you mentioned you had a career uh, uh, in the airline industry. Uh, yes. And I want to I talk a little bit about that because you have, you have been all over the world. And uh, I want to get your perceptions on that, too. But when, when did you get to the point where you said, you know, uh, I still have this memory of bullying in my mind, and I want to do something about it. I will also, at this point, I want to let those that are watching and listening know that you have a website, and it's your yes. name, very, very simple, www.robinferrier.co.uk. It will scroll on the screen. I invite those of you that are watching and listening to to check out that website because there's a lot of information on it about not only what Robin has gone through, but what he is doing now 
to help others that may be in the same situation through hypnotherapy and 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 the programs that you have uh, go to the go to the website we may come back and visit a couple pages on the website but i want to i want to also talk a little bit about your career uh what what got you into uh, the career in the airline industry, and where are some of the phenomenal places that you visited in in your your life? And I'll throw a third question in too: Is did you experience any bullying uh, in, in your travels? Oh yes, yes, I did. Of course, I did. But uh, let, let me see if I can answer your questions in order. My 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 <laughs> flying started. Uh, when I was tiny, 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 I, I think I watched some sci-fi programs when I was younger and I just wanted to be a spaceman. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I, I then developed into a, a major fascination with aircraft because we were on a, on a, on a route from one of the RAF air bases nearby and they would all fly over at uh, a few hundred feet. And I just thought, oh, I want to do that. Uh, we would, go on holiday in an airplane and uh, in those days you were allowed to go and visit the cockpit and I just thought I want right. to do this even more yes and, and the pilot um, give you a pin yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely I used, to, I used to collect them too <laughs> yeah uh, but the irony was uh, I didn't know this at the time but I'm red green colorblind and so when I went to prepare myself to join the air force uh, I was told that I was red, green, colorblind, and sorry, chap, but <laughs> no way, Jose. And so I thought, oh, man, that was the, the end of my world as far as I was concerned. But to uh, cut a long story short, uh, I took up my new career as a businessman working with airplanes uh, from a commercial point of view, traveled the world as a result of that, but um, got a job working over in the Middle East. And uh, during that time, I decided to go on a holiday, which would involve flying. And uh, I'd, could, I'd got my private license, but I couldn't get a commercial one. And um, long story short, I discovered that the rules had changed. I could possibly get a medical. So I went to London, got a checkup, and my world exploded because I'd spent 10 years of my life telling myself that I would never achieve my dream. And that was hard. That was really hard. And then to have it available to me all of a sudden, just a, it, it pulled the rug out from underneath me. And I thought, but no, 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 no. This is the dream. There is no way you're going back from this. So I, I got my, my new job as a first officer on a old rickety turboprop aircraft and moved my way up through the ranks over 20 years, became a captain on a 737 and arrived in Italy to find that um, I was being sent all around the world. I ended up in Cuba, Egypt, uh, all sorts of interesting places, spent lots of time in Albania when there was earthquakes. Um, Italy itself is pretty fascinating, as you can imagine. And all points north, south, east, and west. And we talked about bullying and did I see it? And of course, bullying's everywhere. And, and it's interesting because some people don't necessarily consider what they do as bullying. They just think that's tough love or being a strong person or something like that. 
in, in another way, you, you've got an interesting situation with culture because, of course, what we in the West consider as a normal way of life, if you go to the East, they think what we do is very strange and vice versa. So say, for example, we have genital mutilation. Is that bullying? Is that, is that something that we should all abhor? Or is it cultural? If you live in those... If you live in those countries where that is considered as normal, if you're a girl, well, I, I don't think you're looking forward to it, are you? And so we could get onto really deep discussions about religion and culture and, and hierarchies of classes, but the fact of the matter is bullying is everywhere and the colors and shapes and forms of it change depending on where you are geographically but it's still there and it has really deep, profound, long-term effects on people. And we're just supposed to get on with it without saying a word. And I think that's got to stop. And, and was it some of those visions that you had through your career that led you to ultimately say, uh, I've got to do something about this. If if not as a group, then I'm going to do it as an individual, and uh, and and start uh, your 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 one small uh, one small step uh, mm. hypnotherapy. Well, there's two things. One of them, I'm almost ashamed and embarrassed to admit it, but I thought I was going to die. Um, I had a sit situation where I was brand new to a company, Norwegian, and uh, I had uh, bad hay fever. I've got it right now. And so I was taking an inhaler, uh, a nasal inhaler, and there's limits to how many puffs you're supposed to take, but I could not clear my nose. And I didn't want to call in sick because I was brand new to the company. Right. <sighs> so I took far too many and what I didn't know was that uh, it does rather terrible things to your brain. So my eyes closed, uh, my face slumped, and I thought I was having a stroke. And my father died of a stroke at a relatively young age. So I got myself to hospital. And in my head, I was always already writing my own epitaph. And uh, it's, it's a bit shameful to admit it, but I had a conversation with God. And I just said, if you get me out of here, I'm going to do my absolute damnedest to make the world a better place in my own little way. Excuse me, a bit emotional. But that was that. And that was when I became a life coach uh, working with the um, Susan Jeffers organization, uh, the Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway book. I don't know if you remember that from the 80s, but... Uh, they actually have an organization that has people like me going out and uh, teaching people about how fear is something that rules their lives and how not to have it rule their life. So that was stage one. Stage two was a slightly different experience. I was flying back from Cabo Verde and uh, flying over Casablanca on my way to Rome. And I had the strangest experience, which was... I looked down on Casablanca and I could see all the lights and I could almost imagine all the people there in their houses, you know, wrapped up warm, having 
family discussions, family arguments, you know, dogs barking in the alleyway, things like that. And then I looked out towards the horizon and I got this massive sense of the world. Just, and, and I can't really put it any more profoundly than I felt the pain. I'd gone from this wonderful image of everybody together to this huge feeling of, crikey, the world's in pain. And it was quite profound. So when I came back, I, I just had a long think about it. And I thought, you know, I really need to do something. And it only came to me when I was actually beating the living hell out of a punch bag and using some rock music on YouTube to listen to. And on the YouTube, you know, how they put advertisements up, um, along came this advertisement for rapid transformational therapy, uh, hypnotherapy training. And I thought, no, nah, that's the answer. And here I am. That in itself is fascinating that, that you know, because you, what you were doing was taking out your angst on a, on a punching bag, um, oh. and, and, and that kind of led to, you know, there, there's got to be a better way, not only for you, but, but for others. Uh, Absolutely. and I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of whatever we, we do in our lifetime, find some way to pay it forward. Uh, you know, there are, are certainly support groups that somebody who has been bullied, uh, can, can join in order to talk it out and try and overcome some of their, their feelings, just like uh, an addict or an alcoholic can, can, can do. But the first step in doing that also is to A, admit that you, you have an issue with it, and B, that you're willing to do something, whether it is a support group or go into a program like hypnotherapy in order to deal with, with what you, what you're feeling. Um, because, you know, you often talk about there are short-term effects and long-term effects of bullying. Oh, yeah. uh, and the short-term effects are, are to uh, clean up your bloodied uh, nose or your bloodied lip. And all the long-term mm. effects are how do I deal with what's up here? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I find that a lot of things, sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting you. I beg your pardon. No, no, not, not at all. Because I, that, that's really where, where I was going because uh, the, the hypnotherapy aspect of what you're doing now uh, has, will have a long range effect on those and prevent those that were bullied uh, for to seek maybe revenge uh, as as an option it's it's a a strange concept uh, the, the the process of revenge isn't it uh, I'll be quite honest with you I have after these events and for many many years subsequent, had imaginary fights with these people where I did all sorts of unspeakable things. Um, and I think you'll find many people who've suffered in many ways want to get their revenge somehow. And it usually happens in their heads. 
it never comes to real blows because, of course, revenge, if you take it seriously and you actually go out there and do what you think you want to do, you're probably going to jail because as a grown-up, people aren't going to put up with, uh, you know, occasional pushing and shoving. There's, yeah. there's knives, there's guns, there's, there's a whole bunch of ways in which you can end up in hospital or in a graveyard. And so revenge is something that you've got to think really long and hard about. And so there are ways in which you can achieve revenge, but it doesn't involve violence. And that's where I come in. Yeah. Well, fighting, with, f- fighting fire with fire is not always the best option. It's very rarely the best option. And, and the yeah. truth of the matter is I've seen those who've tried and whilst they may have got their just desserts, these people, the, the satisfaction that comes from it lasts all of seconds because then you realize that to some extent you've become the bully, you've become the thug, and that you've just lured yourself to that level and that you hate yourself just that little bit more which is not really what you want. Exactly. Again, folks, robinferrier.co.uk is the website. And when you go to that website, you will be connected to uh, one uh, small step hypnotherapy. Uh, and it'll give you information about the programs that are, are on the website and the things that you can, can check out. And reach out to Robin if you have questions or you want to learn more about uh, how to overcome some of these issues uh, by using uh, some of his hypnotherapy techniques. Uh, And again, just like we said at the top of the show, there is a great advantage of learning how to overcome bullying from someone who has been bullied and grew up under those circumstances. Uh, because it, it isn't really something that you can learn in a textbook. Uh, you have you experience it in life, and that's what leads you to try and pay it forward as as Robin has been doing. Uh, and all it's a great it's a great website. Uh, some of the blogs are very very interesting. Uh, and you know go go to the website and and, and check it out. Uh, so what what is what is the future uh, for for Robin Ferrier and what he's doing uh, with hypnotherapy and working with with men in particular uh, overcoming overcoming bullying and and are you also working with women too? I, I work with anybody who who's suffering, uh, Stuart. I mean my my particular background just makes me think that this is a the, the obvious thing for me to to explore as a speciality. But I have many women clients who come to me with all manner of problems and issues. I have gentlemen clients who have all manner of problems and issues. And I've always been fascinated by the power of the mind. The mind is still relatively terra incognita, but we know more now than we have done in such a great way neuroscience is coming on in leaps and bounds so fast in fact that we now need to start 
really looking at philosophy almost, because we then start to get into areas of really profound questions such as what is consciousness, what is self-awareness, and uh, self-awareness is very much a part of what I teach because you need to understand who you are and where you come from and why you do what you do in order to understand where you're going and how to, how to optimize the way you live. Because so many of my experiences and people like me are that we tend to hide in the shadows. We're scared of judgment. We're scared of being challenged. Uh, we've been told and we've now believed that we're worth nothing and therefore we do nothing. We sit with our Cheetos on the sofa and watch TV and play computer games and we opt out of society. We don't date because we don't feel, you know, good enough to date. Uh, we find that there's all sorts of reasons not to ask for more money at work because we just know we're going to get told no because we're giving off those vibes of vulnerability because they know they can get away with saying no because you're going to say, oh, okay, and just keep on working. Low, low, low self-esteem. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. And, and you know, and most, and, and we, we, we have not even uh, uh, in, gotten involved in some of the other issues that you have gone through because you have gone through not only bullying, but you've gone through depression and you have gone through some personal personal issues with, with your families and all. But all of these have been elements that have brought together uh, this program that you are now offering to to other people in order to Indeed. to deal with it. Uh, and so, and it, and and by the way, I, I guess I should say that this is not only something that people watching and listening to the show should do if they have been through it, but if they know somebody else, it's. You know, the worst thing you can do is to know somebody that has been bullied and allow them to just uh, let it mentally eat them alive. Yeah. Uh, you need to reach out and say there is an option. And Robin Ferrier may be one of those options. That's all I'm saying, you know. Absolutely. Oh, please don't misunderstand, Stuart. I, I as a bullying survivor, I'm in no way, shape, or form unique, but I have a unique uh, series of experiences in life where I've had to claw my, claw my way back to some degree of, I want to call it sanity, but I, I think that's probably not quite the phrase I mean. Just finding my peace. And I think I'm pretty much there, but I know so many men out there now who... They, they can't find their peace. They don't even know who they are any longer. And one other thing I wanted to mention is the, the change in culture regarding male, well, what shall we call it? The, the way we are as men. This, this phrase, toxic max masculinity, gets thrown around. And, of course, what happens when males, by the very nature of having male genitalia, we're labeled as toxic? It, for, for people who have already got low self-esteem, low confidence, and a whole bunch of other things besides, are confronted with that kind of cultural sensation, they just hide in the shadows. It's, it's, it's tough 
and I want to help men find their cajones again because we've had them crushed. That's, and that's not a British phrase, by the way. But I know you know what I mean. Absolutely. Robin Ferrier, I, I, I thank you very, very much for sharing your, your insights and your expertise uh, with our audience today. Uh, folks, again, visit the website, reach out, uh, email, text to, to, to uh, Robin if you have questions and want some additional information. Uh, Robin, I always end my show with a quote from Oscar Wilde, and that is, to be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And, Wonderful. And, and, and that's, that's true of Robin Ferrier because you have to be yourself uh, and, all, and then share it with someone else. So thank you for taking the time and thank you for all that you do to help people overcome some of these, uh, these issues in their lives. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your time and the opportunity to, to speak to your audience. And uh, just one final thought. You're not a victim, anybody. You have control over your life. And I'm here to help you to find that way forward. Thank you for your time. Very good. And that will do it for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Go out and make it a great day. Look forward to seeing you again next week. And again, thank you to Someone You Should Know, Robin Ferrier. Thank you.